Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Newbie Dentist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Omid Azami. In this episode, I had the awesome privilege of sitting down with one of Australia's premier dentists, Dr. Anthony Mack. Dr. Mack is a University of Sydney graduate and has also completed his graduate diploma in implants from the University of Sydney. Dr. Mack worked in some of Sydney's top dental practices prior to opening his own dental practice called W Dental, where he focuses on advanced restorative treatments. He is passionate about digital dentistry, indirect restorative, as well as implant dentistry and has built his practice to allow him to focus on these procedures. Outside of clinical work, Dr. Mack is also a highly respected educator, running several courses throughout Australia on a broad range of topics, including adhesive dentistry and aesthetic dentistry. Overall, I found this interview to be filled with so many pearls that you you guys will get a ton of value from. We talk about his journey into dental school, his first job, and how important it is to plan your CPD and your education and your mentorship to become a better clinician. We also talk about the importance of communication, digital dentistry, and restorative dentistry as well. This episode is brought to you by my good friends at Henry Shine. With over 60,000 products available from consumables, CAD CAM technology, lab equipment, and CPD events, you can always rely on them to be your trusted business partner every step of the way. As always, if you have been enjoying these podcasts, please be sure to pass them along to your friends, classmates, and colleagues. It also means a lot to me if you can head over to iTunes or the podcast app on your iPhones and give the show a five-star rating, and please leave a review if you have some time as well. Lastly, I've been working on a large collaborative project with a fellow podcast host and my good friend David Kier. We will be announcing some exciting news in the coming weeks, but in the meantime, you can find us at foresightdental.com or on social media you know, via Facebook or Instagram at Foresight Dental. And that's the number four, S-I-G-H-T Dental. Without further delay, I hope you guys enjoy my interview with the one and only Dr. Anthony Mack. Hello and welcome to the Newbie Dentist Podcast, the safe place for newbie dentists to connect, collaborate, learn, and grow. The Newbie Dentist Podcast aims to provide high-quality and high-value content for all the newbie dentists out there. With your host, Dr. Omer Azami. So I'm here with uh, Dr. Anthony Mack, who is a uh, dentist based in uh, Sydney, Australia, who is doing a lot of stuff in dentistry in Australia for those who are kind of overseas and may not be familiar with him. I'm sure you'll hear about his journey and his process and everything that he's done and accomplished in his career. So I do really appreciate you taking some time out of your busy schedule and uh, coming to chat with me on the podcast today, Anthony. Uh, No problems. Uh, Happy to help anytime. So how we normally start these things is a bit of an origin story. So if you can uh, rewind the clock for us a little bit, kind of take us back to, you know, your, I guess for your days, it would have been like a bachelor of dental science, maybe. So you're kind of going straight from high school to dentistry, if I'm not mistaken. Tell me a little bit about your mindset, like why you chose dentistry over like medicine or any other kind of field. Oh, wow. That's uh I mean, that's a fair number of years now. Look, (laughs) it's quite a number of years, but you know what? You know, it's still fresh in in my mind. And it's one of those things where as you get older, you you don't realize that people feel, they still feel young at heart is because of these memories. So, you know, know, I'm not sure if you've got enough time to listen, but, you know, when when I went through high school, I went to uh, what's called a selective high school in Sydney and, and, and I did all my schooling in Sydney. And uh, in our final year of study, um, you know, I was just average, average sort of student. You know, I wasn't the highest achiever or anything like that. You know, I was, I was good with my hands. I, I like, like, I was quite good with, with some sports. You know, like tennis, basketball, table tennis. I was, you know, quite good with those things. And about, uh, about uh, midway through the last year, you know, all of a sudden, all my friends says, "Oh, we're taking a day off." And I said, why are you going to day off? And he says, yeah. oh, we're going to go and sit for the GAMSTAT, the test for dentistry. Yeah. And uh, if you do that, we can we go to we head out to the city because that's where it's done. Yeah. And as a 17-year-old boy, back then, you know, the city was a pretty cool place. Yeah. And, um, and so he says, after the test, it's only a three-hour test. And afterwards, we can go out and play snooker and hang out in the city. <laughs> so I said, oh, that's it. That's it. Where do I sign up? So. Yeah. I, I didn't really know anything about dentistry. Like I came from a you know a migrant family. You know my parents were just collar workers, and 
And, you know, I, I probably only went to the dentist like two or three times up, up until when I was 17, you know. So yeah. I didn't even know a sing, single thing. Luckily, this test was really, you couldn't study for it. It's a, it's a knowledge-based test. It teaches you, teaches you on everything, science, mathematics, English, and everything like that. Yeah. And, um, and there was about 60 people from my school out of like 150. I think there's about wow. 60 people that went because yeah. everyone just wanted to. Back then, they said, oh, dentistry is really good. You do really well. It's a safe career, blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, I wanted to do economics. <laughs> um, that was my goal. I was yeah. coming out. I did three in economics. I did commerce. I wanted to get into commerce, you know. And so I sat for this test. And out of the 60, there was only two people that passed. And I was lucky to be one of them. That's awesome. And the other person that passed actually topped the state in, in the wow. whole state. <laughs> we call it back then HSC. I don't know if they still have HSC now, but that's what they, we call it. Yeah. And, um, and as part of that, you also need to meet, you also need to get like a top 10% in the, in the, in, in the state to be, to pass that. So I actually passed that part, which is HSC exam. I passed the GAMSTAT. The guy who topped the state, he went on and, and, and did medicine because obviously he had the marks for it and he's yeah. actually a neurosurgeon now. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so, and then back in those times, for us to get into dentistry, we actually then had to sit for um, an interview at the Sydney Dental Hospital. Yeah. And there was a panel of three and then you have to ask you, like, why do you want to do dentistry? And I said, I had really no idea. <laughs> you had to sit for a, a manual a dexterity test. So you had to bend some wires. You had to make oh, really? a, a wax tube. Yeah. Yeah. And then you also had to write an essay. You had to write an essay. Um, and if you pass all that, they accepted you. So by the time I got through all that test, I, I luckily I, I made it through. And then I, I still had my mindset on doing economics. I said, you know, <laughs> this is what I want to do. I want, I love economics, you know, yeah. the monetary policies, the fiscal policies. I love all that. And then my friends said, you've got to be nuts. You, none of us got got in. You, you're the only one that got in and you're going to turn it down? I said, yeah. well, I didn't know anything about it. I said, no, 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 just do it. Try it out for the first. If you don't like it, you yeah. could always go back to do economics. Yeah. So, okay, okay, I listened to them. Fine. So I got into dentistry. And it was the first year, I don't know if you went through, it was all science. We did right. biology, chemistry. And this has nothing to do with economics, yeah. right? <laughs> and so I, I did terrible. And when I just got into uni life. I was sick of studying and I didn't go to many classes. And people in my, people in my year would tell me I was the worst student. So anyway, at that time, we were still in the days where um, in dental school where a lot of people failed. Yeah, and um, and I actually failed my first year. Oh no way! <laughs> I failed my first year. Yeah, and at that time, because the way dentistry is such a niche course, the the way they scale the marks, I said, okay, well, I don't like this. I want to get into economics. Yeah. I said, no, you can't. You can't because your marks don't show them. What do you mean? I got into dentistry. <laughs> I got through, and you're saying I can't get back into. Go, no, you can't. So my marks in dentistry didn't reflect, uh, was so bad that they didn't reflect that I was smart enough to do an economics degree. Yeah. So they kind of held you so, back. <laughs> so I was stuck basically. Yeah. So I was stuck. So I had to continue on with dentistry. And then I, I, I look, I just struggled through the first year, second year. And then by the third year, all the hands-on stuff started coming in. The fun stuff. Yeah. And I think, yeah, all the fun stuff. And then I think something kicked in. I said, if I don't concentrate now, I'm going to be get kicked out of dentistry and I wouldn't know what to do. So, so I just put my head down. I worked really hard and then um, I did really well in all the clinical stuff. And then I had some good friends who, who helped me with all the exams and prepare for them and things yeah. like that. So I ended up coming pretty good. I ended up coming second and I got the university medal. Wow. Nice. Yep. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. From last. <laughs> so, yeah. And I. Yeah. So no. No. And and um and the guy who came first was a, a he's a specialist endodontist in Sydney now. Okay. And nice. uh, so he's a very smart man. He's a very smart guy. So now I was lucky. I think. And then um I got out of dentistry and I think this is where the real story started. I I, I think I was very lucky. I had some really cool mentors. Like yeah. I had I, you know, I was offered a really good job in the Central Coast with really busy practice, but you know, I wasn't sure about the experience I'll get. Yeah. And 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 I, I ended up going for a really high end practice 
but they pay me peanuts, literally. Yeah. <laughs> I think they pay me the same salary as uh, as what uh, you would get from a, as a dental officer, a first year dental officer at the public in hospital. The public system, yeah. In a public system. And this was in private practice. Yeah. So, but, you know, I was looking for mentorship and, and I he was a great mentor, husband and wife. And um, he taught me so much. I still remember the things he taught me. So, and, and basically I jumped into a practice that was doing like, Full mouth rehabs. Wow. They had Serex back then, Serex three. Like I graduated and jumped straight in into adhesive dentistry, bonding. This was many years ago when you know you think about now yeah. where it's still fresh. This was like this was like a uh, how's it like pioneers like, almost the, the pioneers basically. And yeah. then so yeah, I jumped into that. And after a year out, I was like cutting like you know six seven onlays in my first year out on patients yeah. and yeah, doing Serex. I like all them Serex and we were Serexing and. You know, I was doing like, you know, learning about tensing neuromuscular dentistry and yeah, no, it was, it was really good. And, you know, I, I was just very lucky because I had that first mentor, got me into digital dentistry straight away. Yeah. And he said, the first thing was he sent me to, you know, he sent me to America. He said, this is the best conference you can go to. It was the American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry. Yeah. And back then it was massive. Back in those times, it was like, it was so big. And they said, yeah, you're a student yeah, or you're a new grad. It was cheap. You can get there and... I went in the first year and it was the biggest eye-opener. You know, we come out of uni like learning, you know, uh, about cast posts and calls and yeah. amalgam crowns and things yeah. like that. And you go there and like they're talking about fiber pose, bonding, and like I was listening to these speakers saying, you know, doing what we're doing, like how to do a veneer mock-ups, how to mock up in the mouth using the putty stem. This was like yeah. 17 years ago, you wow, know. that's really cool. And, and, and um, we were learning like, you know, they were telling me you have to use rubber dam. You think I oh, use rubber dams. Well, we were learning back then, if it ain't dry, you can kiss goodbye. Yeah. That's what they used to say. So, you know, those things stick into my head. And, you know, I came back with a lot of knowledge and, and, and I did well and then, and then what I did was I think I missed a lot on the emergency dentistry. I didn't do a lot of extractions. I didn't do a lot of surgery. I didn't get a lot of endodontics. So, you know, back in my days, it was a little bit easier to find a job. So I, I, I literally went around into these big practices. I went down south and I, and I just asked them, look, will you give me a job? Yeah. And I, I told them what I did and what I knew. And, and there were some of them were quite impressed. And they gave me a job and I was looking for experience. And I went down south and worked in, in Liverpool in Sydney and, you know, and I did that two days a week and, and, and I was doing like, you know, root canal after root canal after root canal, extirpation after extirpation. Nice. I was doing wisdom teeth, wisdom teeth. So I got a really good balance then, like by about 18 months out. Yeah. I had, I was doing like Sunday emergencies, facial swelling, kids with, you know, had a baseball game, knocked their teeth out. Yeah. And then and during the weekdays, I was doing like Seraking, like inlay onlay. So, That's you cool. know, and then... And then I decided that I moved on and, 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 I, and then I found a job. Uh, the practice manager who was working with me at the time, she moved and she worked with a guy, I'm not sure of the guy by the name of Chris Ho. Yeah. And, and then Chris uh, was looking for someone and she recommended me. And so I went and interviewed with Chris. And because Chris knew what we were doing, he had a Cerex machine. He knew I was doing Cerex and stuff. So he gave me a job. Yeah. And so enough, I started working with Chris and then, and then, you know, and then very, uh, another, uh, things just fall, just things sometimes just happen, you know. So yeah. I had, I learned a lot about Cerex and full mouth rehabs as soon as I graduated. I was Cerexing. And then I was uh, doing a lot of emergencies, wisdom teeth and things like that. Wisdom teeth, endodontics. I was doing a lot of molar endos. Yeah. In, so um, let, me, let me, before we kind of move on, let me kind of just dive into a few of these things a little bit deeper. So I mean, that's incredible. I mean, you're 18 months out. I've been out for like two years now, roughly. <clears throat> Luckily, obviously, the job situation is a little bit different maybe now in terms of how busy new grads and things can be and, and how much exposure they can get to certain procedures. But how did you have like the clinical confidence to you know start doing full mouth rehabs, start doing wisdom teeth, start doing endo, all these things that are a little bit maybe more nuanced, a little bit more like specialized, if you will. And you know, have confidence that, yeah, I can deliver this. I can do it at a at a high level. Like seeing that you're such a new grad and such a young dentist. Um, I think it was, like I said, it was my first job. Like the yeah. first, how I can say the first job that you pick is probably what sets and defines your career. And that's why I tell the students is so important to find a really good mentor. And and I had a really good mentor where every Friday, the, the wife, they were really strong in communication. I'm not sure if you heard of NLP or neuro-linguistic yeah. programming. Yeah. Yeah. So they were really strong in that. And so every Friday they'll use as part of my mentorship, 
not only did they, you know, send me overseas to the right courses, they used to sit down with me and go through cases. So they actually sat down. I actually present cases. And one of the first things I knew was they made me do a lot of photos. We were taking digital photos, like full series photos, maybe 18 years ago, which was pretty new back then, you know? So we were taking full series photos. We were charting, we were taking x-rays. And then I would go and sit down and I'll go through these cases with my mentor. And we'll talk about how we're going to present it to... How are we going to present it to the patient? How are we going to tell them the pros and cons? I was learning about sowing the seeds. Like, you know, you might not win every case, but if you sow the seeds now, they will eventually come back once they realize it, you know, when yeah. something goes wrong. So I, I learned about that. And I used to watch. I mean, we weren't busy all the time. We might be seeing, you know, four or five patients a day. Or the other time, I would just jump into my mentor's chair. I would literally assist him. Yeah. I literally would be sitting there and assisting because that's the best way to learn. You know, you're sitting there and you're assisting him. You're seeing what he's doing. You, you know, you learn so much about it. And and I think and and they gave me the confidence because I knew I had this support. Um, I knew that I knew uh, treatment planning is really important to 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 know how to treatment plan and communication. I, I then before I went brought the patient back, I knew exactly what we were going to do. Yeah. We knew exactly what our options were. And we actually sat down the patient there for half an hour just to go through their treatment plan and go through the photos. And, and then, you know, and then decide, look, then we learn whether they want to do the whole thing or they don't want to do some of it. You know, I, 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 you know, I learned a lot in that one. And I learned a lot when I was Chris's where Chris taught me, you know, you can always do something for someone, you know, like yeah. you don't have to, not every case needs to be a full mouth reconstruction. Yeah. You know, you, 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 patients shouldn't feel that they leave there, that they need, if it's not a full mouth, they can't have anything done. You yeah. know, and I think this, okay. and one of the things I want to share is that you can always try to do something for someone. You can give them the options if they can't afford it. Don't need to drive them down that path. Just do a simple filling. The most important thing is to gain the patient's trust. And, and, and how we've done what we do now is trying to gain their trust because, you know, when you go and buy a car, I mean, when you go and buy a car, do you go and buy the first car that you go and get and let you see? Uh, definitely not. I do a lot of research and I kind of have – I know when I go into the dealership what I'm after, so I have done my a lot of homework to go in. Are you, are you going to trust the me. first salesperson that's going to sell you the car? No, you're a bit skeptical. <laughs> exactly. The first time you go to your hairdresser, are you going to go and are you going to go? Are you going to trust him with your hair devotedly, like do the full color and everything like that? I mean, I haven't colored before, but I, I guess I wouldn't. I would go to like a, like maybe a, a dentist or a hairdresser with a good reputation. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, as a new dentist, you know, your patients are probably not going to trust you completely first, you know, yeah. and trying to sell in a very expensive treatment plan, they're probably not going to want to dive in. But if it's something small, they might just give you a go. You know, they might say, oh, if it's just a feeling, okay, well, let's see how you go. They're testing you out, you know, yeah. and if you perform well, they probably will come back again. Yeah. So, so I think, you know, we always start taking baby steps. Once you gain the trust, you know, see those patients for after a while and they trust you, they're going to go ahead with the crowns or the onlays or, or the root canals that, that you treatment plan for them. You know, I think is just as much as we need to trust the patient, they need to trust us as well. And I think once you gain their trust as a young dentist, you will find that it takes time, you know, and you see me doing what I'm doing now, Amid, and you know what, another 10 years time, you'll probably be just doing just exactly the same, you know, and I think we all, we all walk a very similar path and, and, you know, and, and people who have the passion for to do this and dentistry and you love what you do, you, you, you'll be doing what we're doing. Yeah. So, so someone listening now who's a new grad, you know, maybe they're not as so lucky. I mean, it's nice because, I, like I mentioned to you in the pre-interview, like a passion of mine is like high performance and why certain people kind of accomplish more than others and why others kind of just kind of stay average and, and stick to what they're comfortable in and stay in their comfort zone. So a lot of the people I've interviewed who have done quite well have been like you. They've been lucky. They've got their first job. They had good mentorship and they kind of had that good mindset though. I think the mindset is very important because a lot of people may get into maybe a high-end practice and they're not busy and they get frustrated and and they want to just be busy for being busy sake and maybe not take the opportunity to learn or go assist like you did and and learn. And I've, I've found these similar parallels with like a lot of people I've interviewed. So I think it's like a very obvious like pattern and trend that's kind of developing and it's not a secret is it it's no secret (laughs) so my question is i guess for a new grad who maybe you know even in australia right now there's a lot of dentists that are working they might even be in corporate situations and they're not 
really busy or they don't have a mentor that's with them all the time, what kind of advice would you have around that kind of space and how they can uh, maximize their situation to learn as much as they can? Uh, look, I think you need to, you need, look, that's a really tough, tough uh, question. I mean, because, you know, everyone is different and, and, and it's very hard to understand everyone's situation, everyone. And that's why we are where we are, you know, but my recommendation would be that, you know, if you, if you're not finding, if you, you listen and you see everyone's doing it this way, you know, you may, and you want to do this, then you need to go out and look for a job that will give you this, you know, yeah, um, great you know, go and go, you know, go and like you said, go into these conferences where the bigger dentists go, you know, rather than saying, Oh, it's too, too advanced for me, go and learn. You can always learn something, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, those big, those, those complicated courses and things like that, those conferences will you always number one, pick up something, right? Number two yeah. is that you probably meet a lot of the, the dentists who are doing that kind of procedure because they want to learn. Great. Tip. So, you know, you know, you get to go and meet them and just say hello, you know, you know, you know, find your rep that looks after you and, and, and see if she can introduce you to some dentists and just be, look, I'm looking, I'm looking for, to learn this. I'm, I'm looking for practice that can help me do this. You know, I've got the passion. I really loved doing this. This is what I've done so far. And you know what? You just might bump into a dentist that, is looking for a dent, someone like yourself and well, that's willing to help you. And even if he can't give you a job, I know there's a lot of dentists who'll be happy to support you with just cases. Like I said, people send me cases and just say, what do you think? You know, yeah. how do I, how do I tackle this? You know, there, there are a lot of people who, who may not be active on the younger social media sort of circle, but <laughs> who are very willing to help. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I think you said that's to, what I would recommend. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a I think that's a great recommendation, a great tip. And I think that's something that we're really lucky with our generation is for those of us that are like pretty proactive, it's it's pretty accessible. I mean, with Instagram and with Facebook and all the you know dental groups and things to just reach out to someone and be like, Hey, I don't have a mentor at work. Do you mind if I ask you something or bounce a few ideas off you? And I think that can go a long way, but I think it comes down to mindset first. You're going to want it um, yeah. to kind of go after it. So tell me a little bit about the kind of bigger picture now, you know, for a lot of us, you know, my, like myself, cause I like to, I'm selfish in my interviews. And I want to get tips for myself really is, you know, you're a couple of years out now and you're, you've kind of dabbled in a little bit, you know, you've done maybe a couple of years, you've done a couple surgical extractions you've done a few onlays a few crowns um but you're not really like a specialist or very confident in these kind of disciplines what was like your strategy i know obviously i was you know my, one of my questions i was going to ask you is like what was your first big case and and maybe we'll get into that but it seems like off the bat you're doing full mouth rehab so a bit of a exception to the rule there what is like a strategy that you had for cpd um coming out of school or even as soon as you the earliest memory that you have is okay, maybe this year I'm going to focus on this and I'll take courses and then the following year I'll do this. Did you have any sort of like strategic plan for like the first five years of your career? I, I sort of did. Um, but I think that plan is sort of changed, you know, the way I feel about dentistry now and, and, and obviously be doing what I'm doing now and, and having a lot of young associates and, and recommending them. You know, I, I'm, very, I'm a very strong believer in, in doing your CPD um, strategically yeah. as well uh, in, t- in terms of what you want to do. Now, some people might want to do, you know, like a lot of surgery. They, they might just want to do implants. For example, like, you know, David David Attia, you know, he yeah. you know, can see his post. He's just doing a lot of amazing implants. So he's just going to dive in to do that kind of stuff. And that's, that's you know, that's what he enjoys. Great. You know, other people, like you see, you might say, I want to do veneers, you know, then, you know, then you want to dive into that sort of thing. But, you know, in general practice, let's say if you're in general practice and, and yeah. if I had to nail it down, I really would recommend people to start with the fundamentals. We need to get really good with our anterior composites, you know, because anterior composites are ones that uh, you're going to probably sell easily or you're going to be able to get case acceptance easily because it's not a high cost. Yeah. Everyone talks about their front tooth. Now, if someone breaks a tooth and you do a beautiful composite, what do you think they're going to go when next time they're going to go out? Oh, I went to a dentist. He did a beautiful job on my teeth, you know, and that's going to get you a lot of referrals but if you do the terrible composite what is he going to say <laughs> i went to this dentist it was cheap but i hated the composite that he did you know yeah. so he's never going to come back you know so i think anterior composites is number one and posterior ceramics so always a firm believer and if you can do good posterior ceramics because 
there's so many broken teeth, you know, old amalgams or failed big composites, yeah. root canal treated teeth. They all need good indirect restorations. And if you can do good indirect restorations, we know that they last well. They're strong. They're financially uh, remunerated well. And because of that, you know, if you can do good at those and you can get good taste acceptance, you're going to build a good portfolio because once someone's had a, a root canal with you and they've then done a, a crown with you, they're not going to go in. They've just invested themselves to see you, right? I mean, like yeah. if they've spent $2,000 on a molar root canal and then another $1,800 on a crown, do you think yeah. they're going to go and shop around somewhere else? No. <laughs> yeah. If they have a problem, they're going to come back to you, aren't they? So yeah. I think we get really good at that. That's a really good step. Root canal therapies, anterior composites, and posterior ceramics. I would say those uh, those are the fundamentals. That's and, the bread and butter. And maybe treatment planning. Yeah. Treatment you, you need to be good at the bread and butter because aesthetic work comes not – not. I mean, look, there's a lot of practices that were advertised for that. In yeah. our practice, all our practice are sort of word of mouth. So our aesthetic work comes within our existing patient base and also people that have been referred in as well through word of mouth. So yeah. we find if you get the good bread and butter well, all the aesthetic cases will come because those patients where they probably were only testing you for the fillings yeah. will then six <laughs> months later come back and say, look, Anthony, I'm not so – I don't really like the crookedness of my teeth. You know, what are my options in fixing it? Yeah. They wouldn't ask you when they first met you, but they'll probably ask you 12 months down the track. That's and that's where you start to pick up a bit more of those aesthetic cases. Yeah. So in those mindsets, once you're good at that, then you start to pick up some more of the, the ceramic course, go to like some preparation course, learn about veneers, learn about bonding, you know. Um, and if you're good at bonding, you're good at veneer preparation, you're good at treatment planning, those cases will come. You know, I always believe, a strong believer in learning orthodontics. Yeah. So you really need to do orthodontics. And I was just about to say, you know, when my story was after 18 months, I was very lucky because I had a friend who, who was in my year who was working with Derek Mahoney. I'm not sure if you know a guy, Derek Mahoney. Sure. Yeah. One of the most well-known um, uh, orthodontists in, 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 our, in Australia. And, um, and he loved orthodontics so much that he decided that he wanted to do a master's in orthodontics and he had to go to Hong Kong to do it. Yeah, and he was a good friend of mine. He called me up, says, "Look, you know, I'm leaving this place. Do you want to learn a bit about ortho?" And I said, "Oh, I'm not sure. I'm I'm into cerics, you know. Like yeah. I don't know about ortho. He goes, just come along, come and watch me. We'll do it." Yeah. So I literally just dived in, and then you know, I took over his job, and I was working with Derek Mahoney for two days a week. That's amazing. And uh, I did that for five and a half years, and we were seeing forty patients a day, anywhere from start to finish. So. You know, Derek taught me all, all, all about orthodontics and, you know, so – and then I was with Chris. I learned about implants, so I did learn my grad dip and and I was seeing him doing all on fours and all on sixes and I was helping him, you know, fix up emergencies like broken temporary implant prosthesis. So, you know, I was lucky. I was the right place at the right time. I like I like that you're humble, at least, and you just attribute it to luck because, I mean, you're working with some of, like, the biggest names like in the, in the field. Um, surely there's more to luck than, you know – uh, that's amazing. So you had a good mentorship with restorative with Cerex and then you work with Chris Ho implants and like, you know, more prosthodontics type work. Um, and then Mahoney yeah. for ortho. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah. So tell me, you know, obviously there's always the positives. Uh, if you don't mind sharing maybe, cause I know a lot of us new guys deal with like complications or a procedure doesn't go as planned. Um, what was that like for you early on in your career and how did you kind of, what coping strategies, how did you kind of learn to manage those and deal with those? You know what? The best thing, a way to learn is sometimes, and unfortunately, is learn from our mistakes. You know, I'm sure you've made a mistake before and you always remember in your head, right? I mean, oh, yeah. and, and I have to say, I, I can tell you that what my first um, onlay that I ever did, I yeah. still remember today. I still remember the patient's name because I didn't bond it properly. And the patient ended up getting a lot of sensitivity afterwards. Yeah. And he kept coming back and I didn't know how to treat it. And back then, you know, when we came out of dental school, they said, how do you treat sensitivity? Oh, you just apply a bit of Durafat, right? <laughs> yeah. So I was applying Durafat for this patient for about two or three weeks. It came back. It hasn't settled. It hasn't said I was getting sensitivity. I didn't know how to treat him. And and then he ended up, and to be honest, he ended up going somewhere else. Yeah. He went and seeked another opinion. And the guy then said, no, it's something's not right. He crowned the tooth. Basically, yeah. he ended up getting a crown. So from that day, I really learned from my mistakes and I knew that I never would make a mistake in bonding and restoration again. I went and I went to ACD uh, and I learned a lot about bonding and adhesive dentistry and, 
and then I felt came back and I was doing rubber dam and and, yeah. and rubber damming everything, you know. So you learn from your mistakes. So I guess you know the thing is we all make mistakes. I make mistakes, and 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 you know, and, and I'm sure every every specialist has made mistakes. But yeah. the thing is, is to learn from them and and don't get your heart down and have another go, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and and one of my first mentors said, you know, me said, you don't have to fear what you don't know. If you don't know how to do it, you just need to go and find out how to do it. Oh, you go too. to your courses, you learn how to do it, and then you then you start with baby steps. Yeah. Do you have um, like new grads or like young associates working with you now? Uh, not new grads. I don't. I have some younger dentists. They've been out a little bit. So, um, you know, I have a few. So we have about um, two or three younger dentists that works for us, and and they're, they're fantastic. So. Um, you know, they, they, you know, they do really well and, and I hope they're happy. You know, sometimes I'm not always there because I'm busy in practice as well, but whenever yeah. I'm there, I'm welcome them come in and, and share cases with me. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So tell me a little bit about uh, the digital dentistry. Cause I know that's like an area of like passion for you. And obviously you had exposure early on with Cerex and things. Um, what's that meant to you sort of in the last few years? Like, um, how, how do you apply like digital dentistry to your like day-to-day practice right now? Uh, look, most I would say ninety nine percent of my work is digital dentistry. Like it's it's all we don't take. I mean, what do we call digital dentistry? Well, well let's say the most common things is a replacement for an impression. Yeah. So we find you know most of our work we don't need to to take an impression anymore. In only very rare cases would I would I take an impression. So um, it's really form. You know, when you get used to something, you know, when you get you never use given up. I mean, have you ever? used the the wand before to give anesthetic i mean no i haven't i've heard great things okay. but i've never had the yeah it's experience. like I, I when they first came out we were lucky to get to use it at, at chris's and once you start using it you just never you never want to pick up a syringe again it's just a, a creature of habit and yeah. and digital dentistry is going to be like that eventually at the moment i think the reason why the uptake is is a little bit slow it's just cost obviously it's a big yeah. expense and people, um, you know, worry that they can't get the same result with, with what they would do with analog. And I think it's just about having the right team, getting a good technician that knows digital dentistry to do your, in, because we're obviously talking about indirect restorations. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, it's a very important part. And I think you guys are in a generation where you, you can dive right in. I mean, for those who are lucky enough to work in a practice, which has Cerex or Trioses or Iteros, yeah. that's great. But you know, for those ones who aren't there yet, you know, you don't have to panic because it will come. Yeah. You know, if you want to do this, you know, you may need to go to find another place which may have a scanner yeah. um, to do it. And scanners going to get so cheap that you might even be able to borrow, buy one yourself, invest it in yourself and just carry it with you wherever you go. Practice to practice. Because uh, I have the ones that just connect to laptops, right? The USB scanners and stuff. You don't correct. Need yeah. They, or they all, nowadays they all run off a, a nice gaming laptop and Alienware. So yeah. it's a big expense, but it's like, you know, when you first bought your pair of loops, that was a big expense too, wasn't it? <laughs> That's right. And, and, you know, you wouldn't work without it. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, so are you, do you still use Cerec a lot? Are you still milling in the office or you just scan and send it off nowadays? Yeah, look, I, I scan and send off nowadays. Obviously for me, you know, every practice is different. You know, mm-hmm. I went from a practice where, I, I guess to tell you my true story is that I, I worked in practices which had Cerex. Yeah. And when I went and, and started my own practice, I just didn't have the money. I mean, yeah. like, you know, I, I can tell you we started our practice, yeah, 2008 and we started in May. And then the GFC hit in August, and uh, by November I, I I was almost bankrupt. You know, we, we had between me and my girlfriend or my wife back then, my wife now. Yeah. We only had five thousand dollars in our bank account, and we had mortgages to pay and, and and practices to pay, and you know, so you know we got through that, and it was just too expensive to buy a circuit at that time. So yeah. I sort of got used to not having one. And then, and then when I started doing this, I just worked with a, a great technician who, who I entrust. So it's just a, a default for me just to buy the scanner and let him do all the beautiful ceramic work. So, yeah. But for people who, who don't have access to that, you know, a CERC is fantastic. I started with CERCs. They work really well. And now a short ad break from our sponsor. Henry Shine is proud to distribute GC products. They have a wide range of restorative products, including Genial Universal Flow, Genial Universal Flow X, G Premium Bond, and Ever X Flow. All of these products are products that I personally use and love, and also Dr. Anthony Mack uses them in his dental practice as well. 
To view these products or to make an order, visit www.henryshine.com.au. Yeah, no, it's cool. And it's fun to play with. I'm lucky in that sense. Um, I would do one day in the country and we have a Cerec machine there. So uh, it's Perfect. fun to do that. And uh, one of my other so- places that I associate that we have um, iTero scanner. We've got a 3D printer and stuff. So uh, just kind of um, trying to get, get, I still have some like trust issues with like, uh, like deeper margins and scanning it. So sometimes I just take a backup PBS anyways um, and yeah. send it off. But I think it's cool. It, it, you see the wow factor in the patient as well. Uh, you can scan yeah. them and just show them the 3D scan of the teeth, yeah. uh, especially with like Invisalign and things like that, the simulators. And trust things. trust your scanner, man. You got to trust yeah. it. You can actually magnify it. You see your, if you can see your margin, your scan, yeah. the technician should be able to find it as well. So yeah. one tip is if you're doing scanning is to keep your retraction cords in. Yeah. So if your retraction cords are in, and you can see your margins through your loops, your scanner will pick it up. Okay. So don't take it out. Okay. We, we get taught, you know, you know, the double cord technique. Yeah. yeah, and then you take one cord out. Scanners don't like dark spaces. They're all light scanners. So if you create a dark space for them, mm-hmm. they're not going to read it. Okay. So the point That's of the cord is to retract the gums out, yeah. and then it, it will still pick up the color of the cord. So yeah. actually, you've actually took, took away that dark space, and you've given them a depth for them to actually correlate. Yeah. So, but keeping the cord in, you actually and exposing the margin, you actually get a better scan. That's a great tip. I'll try that for sure. Do you ever um, something I kind of came up with and it's been working relatively well with Itero's scanning with the rubber dam in place, like for the single tooth, and then take the dam off yeah. to finish the quadrant because you already have everything retracted. And it, so I thought that was like a pretty cool trick. So I don't know if it's it's uh, that useful, but it worked out pretty good so far. Yeah, look, I, I've seen people do it. They scan with the rubber dam on. And then they take it off and they just scan the soft tissue, you know? Yeah. And and I have no problems with that. It's just, you just have to, uh, for me, it's just like having a scan twice, that's all. But yeah. there's no difference when you taking the, I always like to sometimes just check my margins by taking the dam off because sometimes with rubber dam, I find that you can't see everything, you know, mm-hmm. in relation to the mouth. So I find sometimes I see my margins a little bit better once I take the dam off because maybe if I too deep or not deep enough and so i like to just finish my margins fine finishing without the dam on but for an inlay onlay definitely with the dam on it's perfect works well yeah that's great what about uh, i know you did a grad dip in implants uh when did that implant kind of journey i know you were working with uh chris always doing implants that probably led you into it but yeah made you decide to like get a formalized you know um like program or a master's kind of under your belt for that um, I think at that time I, I moved into Chris's practice and I obviously went there because I wanted to learn about implants. And at the time he was, he, we, Richard Chan was a big influencer at our time and Richard, you know, he no longer practice anymore, but he's still an influencer in terms of, uh, in terms of dental implants. And Chris did many years with Richard. And so I wanted to learn about dental implants. So I was doing a lot of the noble biocare courses and things like that. And Chris said, Look, if you want to do this seriously, you should really consider doing the graduate diploma because that's what he did. Yeah. And so I applied and, and, and I was lucky to get in. At the time, only Sydney Uni offered it. No other uni offered it. So yeah. I was very lucky to get in. You had to show that you've done some parts in implants. You had to go okay. through interviews. And so I got into the grad dip and, and you know, and, and yeah, it took me about, I think we finished it in oh, 2006, I think, 2006 I finished it. And, uh, and yeah, it was, it was great. And you learn a lot about the didactics and the evidence base behind implants. So, yeah. um, and, and obviously we were seeing the cases at Chris's. So, you, you know, he's such a good mentor. I watched so many cases through there and you learn so much. And, and I guess that was a then formulated part of my practice doing dental implants. Yeah. So what do you enjoy now? Like in your given week, what kind of procedures are you doing the most of? Ah, look, I think, you know, I'm, I'm quite lucky now. I mean, I, I, I have a practice which is pretty busy and, and, and I, I do a lot of prosthodontic work. So I'll do a lot of, I'll do a lot of my bread and butters, you know, I do a lot of onlays, do a lot of ceramic work. I do a lot of, you know, now implants I do, you know, I don't do the ma- I don't get a, those massive cases. I get a lot of single units, mm-hmm. short spanded implant bridges, you know, but I get a lot of the ones where, you know, you have to do some crowns and then an implant so you know my perfect day would be where you know i prep you know maybe three or four crowns in the morning or maybe i do prep two crowns and one implant and in the afternoon i'll be fitting you know two or three implant two or three crowns and then i'll you know and then i'll do a couple of consults 
and then that would be my day, you know, and it's good production, you know, and, and yeah. <laughs> that'd be a good, uh, that'd be a good yeah. month from you. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I look, I, I'm, you know, lucky that, you know, we've got a, a good practice now that, you know, yeah. uh, most of my patients are a little bit older as well. It's sort of the baby boomer stage. So yeah. they're, they're, they're needing that lot of work. So, you know, it's, it's a, yeah, that's most of my work these days. Yeah. I do some often i used to do more orthodontics i don't do as much still do some invisalign so do a lot of ortho restorative cases yeah i still do a lot of my root canals so i still like doing root canals so i do a lot of root canals you know and when you do the root canals you always finish off with this indirect restoration so it's always good yeah it's a nice nice combo there and uh, how refined are you in your like cementation appointments like how how efficient like how how, uh, how much time do you spend doing that yeah, look, if I'm bonding an onlay, I, I always leave myself 40 to 50 minutes. You know, I leave myself 50 minutes because, you know, I always want to have a chat with the patient. Then I'm going to numb them up. Then I'm going to rub a dam. going to pop the temporary off. Then I'm going to clean the surface. Then I'm going to try the onlay on, make sure it fits, check the contacts, check the margins, mm-hmm. check the, you know, if I need to check the occlusion before the dam. And then, and then my nurse will prepare the ceramic surface and then I'll go in and micro etch the tooth, you know, then bond the tooth and then I'll bond the tooth restoration in. And by the time you finish, you know, you're at least oh, wow. 40 minutes and then, yeah. And I give 10 minutes for my nurse just to, to if case something's not right, like you might need to adjust the contact, you might adjust mm-hmm. the margin, um, you know, and, and that extra 10 minutes for my girls also to change over the room, that five minutes to change over the room, yeah. talk to the patient, make the next appointment for the next one. Um, that's always good. Um, and, and, you know, all, a patient should always walk out with the next appointment, you know, yeah. re, re, even if it means that it's a six monthly appointment, you know, you should always keep in touch with them. Um, yeah. So that's, that's pretty much it. That's my protocol about 50 minutes. I would say. Yeah. I think, you know, we're, it's funny. I was talking to a few friends of mine about how like we're getting slower and slower at dentistry as Cause I feel like I was like much faster yeah. when I was like first graduated and now I'm like painfully yeah. slow, but I think it's good. You, yeah. you want to do good work. You're more careful with your work. Exactly. Take pride right. in what so, you do. And I think one of the cool things is a little bit, maybe shallow is like with uh, Instagram and stuff. Cause we like to post cases every so often and um, <laughs> you want it to be like perfect. Right? So, so I think it, it makes you a better dentist in a lot of ways, which is, which is pretty yeah. funny. And I, that's a lot of pressure for you guys. Everyone's looking yeah. for that next best photo, isn't it? You know, that's right. <laughs> Uh, so tell me a little bit about sort of like this, you know, when all the side stuff coming in, I know you guys, you know, you, you just had encompass, which was a massive event and a massive kind of success. And, um, I kind of missed out and I was kind of upset. So definitely I'll, I'll be at the next one. And I know you have like a restorative masterclass that you do with, uh, Smiths and other uh, Smiths and Mac, which is a cool name by the way, yeah. uh, put together. Um, uh, so tell me a little bit about the side stuff and when that kind of started off for you in the journey. Uh, look, I, I, I think I was uh, started off in about 2010, 2011. Um, you know, I just started my practice and, and I was very lucky enough. Some, some reps knew where I was, where I come from, like working with Chris and Derek and things like that. And, and, and so, you know, they, they come and obviously want to sell you some composites and yeah. things like that. And, you know, they ask you, can you send us some photos? So I just sent some photos of my cases. And back then, photo, photography wasn't as, as big as it is now. Yeah. And uh, they liked it. And I think at that time, GC said, look, they wanted to start their – they've never run composite courses before. They've never ran a – a single seed course before, you know, you know, and they said they want to start doing composite courses and, and would you be interested in, in, in helping supporting us? And I think I did my first one in November, 2010 or 2011. Yeah. And then I was pretty fresh then, you know, and, um, and then they've supported me, you know, up to now. So, you know, I do, I do a lot of work with them, but, you know, we started off um, just doing them for the ADA, did a lot for the ADA. And then, um, and then I work with a company, I work and support a company called Dental Ed, who used to okay. bring people like Pascal Manier and yeah. Galip Gurel, who are, who are, you know, for us in my era, like legends of this. Yeah. And they used to come to Australia and I'll be in the background supporting them and okay. learning as well. I, I would yeah. get to sit in, I wouldn't have to pay for it. So I've been in there as well. Yeah. <laughs> and and then, um, and like people like Angelo Putiano and, and you know, Mauro Fradiani, they all came through through Australia through Dental Ed and, and I was lucky to to meet them and 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 pick their brains and and work through them, and and I think um and then I started working with a guy called Andrew Andrew Chio in Melbourne, and he was doing a lot of this stuff with me, and he's a great friend, and 
you know, the, the only way that we could find things where we could do it together um, yeah. was to, was to, to do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. So that's when we started just trying to, trying to piece the puzzles together and trying to do it ourselves because it was more for us to hang out because he's based in Melbourne. Yeah. I'm based in Sydney and we really enjoy hanging out with each other. Well, how can we find time either going to courses together or maybe doing a couple ourselves? So, you know, that's how we started. And then we've been great friends since then. And, and that was the reason really was just to find time to spend time, have some fun, do what we love to do um, and, 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 and catch up, I guess. Yeah. One of the things that I'm realizing now is like the time factor. And, and I think it's a big problem with us millennials is we're very uh, impatient and we want kind of want things to kind of happen very quickly and, and come about pretty without maybe necessarily putting in the time or the work to kind of get there. So, you know, when, cause when you go through the school system, like you're used to like, okay, I'm now I'm like in first year, I'm in second year, I'm in third year. And you're used to those incremental changes in your life. But when you kind of graduate and you finish school and you finish dentistry and you enter the workforce, uh, apart from like the tax cycle, <laughs> there's not much else that kind of keeps you like uh, perpetually kind of moving forward. So I think that's one of the main things that I asked you earlier was, you know, did you have a plan in place for your CPD and things? Because I think it's very important for us to have some sort of a plan in place. So we're not just kind of like floating along and, and before you know it, three, four years has passed by and you're just still doing your class twos and um, haven't really learned any new skills or haven't really added any more techniques. So I think it's very admirable. And I think it's cool to chat with you because I know, you know, obviously you've been through the journey a little bit, you're a little bit further in the game than a lot of the, the guests that I normally have on who are, you know, maybe three, four or five years out of school. So, and seeing the same trends and the same patterns of you know, what it takes to kind of be successful, what it takes to, you know, achieve more than, you know, what the average, I guess, dentist would achieve in their career. And one is, I think what I'm learning is obviously there's no substitute just for hard work. And two is you need to like really seek it out, seek out opportunities, seek out, mm. seek out uh, mentors, seek out good jobs. Uh, like you said, if you're not in a job that teaches you what you want to learn, then perhaps you got to kind of move on and find something else to do or find a new job. Yeah, don't be shy. I think it's yeah. don't be afraid. You know, you, you, it's, uh, it's, uh, things are always new for us. We're still learning and, you know, there are things that are, you know, I'm, I'm never done before and, yeah. you know, you gotta be, you gotta just take that plunge, you know, I mean, you you gotta do it for yourself and, you know, and, and the people who, who, who are going out there and just be open, honest and, and, and don't be afraid to, and learn like join some study clubs study clubs are always really great i mean look they're not as big now because there's so much social media and we're finding that the younger the younger generation aren't going to these study clubs because they feel that they can get a lot of stuff online That's but right. study clubs actually a really good place to meet the local dentists around your area and you actually can meet them and you can you find support in them you can find mentorship in them That's and you also find a lot of the specialists in the local area are at these study clubs as well and they're going to act as your mentors and if they see your work is nice they'll actually refer you work as well so you know don't be afraid to join these study clubs because the study clubs are really important i think and it's a place where you can actually interact and and you might find your next mentor there you know so but that's i guess that's a little tip i guess that's a great point. I, I, I know in, uh, when I was living in Canada, it was, it was a little bit more emphasis on study clubs. I don't see them as much like in Australia or Melbourne or like really recognize ones that people got. Like in Canada, we have like the, I think it was like the Toronto Crown and Bridge Club. And there's like a two-year wait list to get into this like study club. So, wow. um, yeah. so those things are kind of big. Um, I kind of started off last year at a newbie dentist like study club, sort of serving the same line with the podcast. Um, I had an event with uh, Dr. Varun Garg, who's a prosthodontist in, in Melbourne, and uh, Barat as well, yeah. who you know. Um, so that was fun. And uh, uh, I think it's, it's fun to kind of get these things together because, you know, like you said, Instagram is is great and Facebook is great, but you lose that face-to-face interaction, which you kind of get when you go to courses and when you go to study clubs. Uh, you get re-energized kind of. You kind of you see other people and what they're doing. And, and it's kind it's of more just the balance. Yeah, yeah, it's just you get that balance. You can find stuff on social media, but it's also good to meet people face to face and For share sure. stories. And Absolutely. you know, you're young, you don't have family commitments. You know, you just go. I mean, they, and they're also not too expensive. You know, you might pay. I think three or four hundred dollars for a year subscription, and you yeah. get usually four, three or four dinner meetings. So you basically covers your dinners, and 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 that's pretty much it, really. And it's a nice place to go to. I think that we should, I think that I, I highly recommend more people should join those. For sure, absolutely. So um, you know, last thing I kind of want to touch on, and I know we've touched on it a little bit already, is maybe just some general tips that you might have. Like if you have a new kind of younger associate working in your practice um, who comes to you and says, okay, I want to you know, get to where you are, for example, in my career, uh, what main kind of tips would you give out to them? 
look, I think my main tip is that, you know, stay focused, um, you know, obviously take baby steps, you know, like you see a lot of people who've, you know, done well or so very experienced. They, it didn't, we didn't do it overnight. So, yeah. you know, the challenge is, I know that there's time to race there, but you will find that you, if you take small goals, you will find that, that your journey will be pleasant, you know, do the things that you enjoy. Um, what else is there? Communication is really important, you know, like patient communication is really important. And, and one of the things I learned is, is that, you know, show empathy because yeah. if you can show empathy and you actually do the right thing, you know, you know, sometimes, you know, we think we're, we're smart. We've done dentistry. We're pretty smart and we know things and we can sell things to people. Yeah. But you know what? Our patients are probably a lot smarter than us. <laughs> you know, some of these guys are corporate guys, CEOs, yeah. business owners, or retirees who's had a whole life experience about us. You know, they can pick someone selling them from a mile away. And, and I find that when I actually show empathy and actually say, hey, you know, is this what you want? Okay, well, then we don't need to do an onlay. We can just do a composite. You just want it as a temporary. Let's just do a simple filling. You know what? They go to me and say, wow, thank you for that. I went to two other dentists and they just tried to sell me something, but you actually didn't. I said, well, there's no need for me to sell this. Yeah. This is what you want. And if you show empathy, you'll find that you can win the patient over and then they'll trust. Once you have trust, they'll let you do anything that you, you want. Yeah. That's, that's, and that's a, great a big point. tip, I think. That's huge. Yeah, yeah. That's a great point. Trust is, um, yeah. it's, it's hard to earn and like easy to lose as they say. Right. So <laughs> very exactly. You yeah. hit it now in the head, you know, so you got to, earn that trust and the best way to do it is just to show empathy you know no one expects you to be perfect if you're not strong in something just say look i would love to do this look i know i'm comfortable with it. if i if i'm doing a procedure pretty tough i usually tell the patients as look i think it's i'm it's in within my comfort zone i can't guarantee success but i'm also happy to refer you to a specialist if you feel that way but i think i will be able to manage this case but if at any point in time i feel uncomfortable about it i'll be sending you to the specialist straight away yeah. And then, but at the end of the day, it's your call. And you know what? Nine out of ten of my patients, if they trust you, they say, "Anthony, I don't want to go to a special unless I'll, 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 I want to do it with you." You know. Yeah. But if you feel that I need to, just send me there. I'm, I'll be there. I don't mind. That's great. But they, they, that's because they got trust. Yeah, and that that up, upfront honesty is great. And and as a long as a young dentist, I'm learning that they'll save you a lot if you're open oh. and upfront if instead of just going into it and be like, yeah, I got this. And then something goes wrong, then it's a whole different conversation altogether. So yeah, no one expects to ever be perfect. I usually just tell them, you know, look, I've, I've, tr- what, what I can't guarantee you perfection, but what I can guarantee you is that I can guarantee that I'll be trying my best in this, in, in doing this restoration for you. That's yeah. all I can give you. And you know what, when you tell them that, what more can they ask for? Yeah. You know, exactly. people just want your best. That's perfect. So, I think that's another tip, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So how I'd like to kind of wrap these things up is just to line it up with a little bit of a rapid fire. So we'll get into that. Is uh, So what's your favorite pizza topping? Uh, meat lovers. Meat lovers. <laughs> and uh, what's your favorite like musician or artist or band? Uh, I don't have anyone, actually. Maybe I'm in the era I love Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran? He's not bad. I like him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's not so, not so old, eh? Yeah, no, no. He's, <laughs> uh, what's one procedure in dentistry that kind of makes you question your career choice? Oh, wisdom teeth extractions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite tooth to work on? Favorite tooth? One six. One six? That's actually a common answer. And what is like one procedure if you could do, like you'll just do that for the rest of your career and that's it? Uh, one procedure, just yeah. on lace. On lace? And, yeah. okay, and finally, if not dentistry, what career would you be in? Oh, everything I've told you already, economics. Yeah. economics. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Anthony Mack, thank you so much. Uh, it was a great interview. I think we actually got a lot of you know valuable information and uh, jam-packed with the value in there. So I think it'll be a popular uh, episode and a lot of people will get a lot of you know useful tidbits to kind of pick up and hopefully help out in their career as they kind of progress uh, you know, from year to year and, and hopefully try and emulate some of your success going forward. Uh, look, you know, at the end of the day, I'm just your local GP, happy to help. And, you know, uh, like I said, I always talk too much. So hopefully <laughs> uh, people got something out of it. But uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Cheers.